morning, Gateway Church. We are a growing family after God's heart. As you have heard, a special member of our family has gone home to be with Jesus, Joe Evangelist. Joe loved this uh, New Testament believer's Bible. He, he, he loved this. And uh, we, we gave him one of these Bibles when he got saved. Remember, Christine? And uh, um, he just devoured this Bible. And he and Christine, they, they loved it so much that they bought like a box. And then when they went down south and were traveling around, they would give this New Testament out. And, and uh, Christine, I want you to know, ever since that time, I've been handing out this little New Testament myself. It's like I got this new gig. And uh, in fact, uh, the last couple of funerals that I've had the privilege to officiate at, even this last week, uh, a young special needs girl, 24 years old, and uh, we had her, her celebration of life and memorial service this week, and, and uh, um, at the end of the, the message, I, I asked and gave the invitation and said, if you're interested, and we talked about the gospel and the claims of Christ and, and uh, shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And I said, if you have more questions, I said, I got this great New Testament, New Believers New Testament. I said, if you would like one, just come and, and uh, grab one. You know how many? We gave over 20 Bibles. That's what Stacy said. And, uh, and we know that God's word will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which it's sent out to accomplish. And so... The Lord's doing a great, great work. Joe loved coming to church. And before I knew his name, I could see the work of the Spirit on his face while the word was being proclaimed. He was so open and receptive. Joe was hungry for the word of God. I remember one Sunday talking to Joe. He was just hanging around the front of the altar. That's kind of where he would, he would end up. Right up, right up here, and uh, I didn't know, I didn't know Joe. Just I, I said to him, I said, "Sir," I said, "It's obvious to me that the Holy Spirit's doing some, something inside your heart. Is that true?" And he just looked at me and nodded, and he would he would cry. I mean, he would just cry at the, at just you know, he'd say something. His heart was so tender. And sensitive to the Lord. And he said, hi, I'm, I'm Joe Evangelist. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, yeah, and I'm Paul the pastor. That's kind of how. <laughs> it's true. He was, he, he was Joe the Evangelist. That's his last name. And uh, he was an evangelist. And he wanted people to know the good news of Jesus Christ, and he shared that good news. I think it's just fitting for us today to pray as we open up our hearts to the word that we would, we would have a heart like Joe and uh, that we would, we would listen intently because God's got a word. This isn't just some sort of spiritual exercise that, that we are religious, I should say. It is spiritual. It's not a religious exercise that we do weekly. 
I mean, God, God has you here for a purpose. You came for a reason. And he wants to speak to your heart, heart to heart. So, Lord, I pray that you would, you would make my heart a little bit like Joe's today. He was saved by you, Jesus. He died, an evangelist, who wanted others to see that he was saved by Jesus. And they did see it. And he wanted them to be saved, too. So, Lord, help us today to listen and receive like, like he did. May we be hungry for your word, hungry to share it. So we pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen. We're in our new series today, part three in 1 John entitled, On the Grow and In the Know, Going Deep in Christ. That's, that's the title of the series, On the Grow and In the Know passage today, it's great because it's going to lead us right to the table of the Lord. It's how it's, it, it sets itself up. I love how the Lord does that. And as you will see, as we read through the scripture, it's gonna, we're going to end up right here at the table. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you, God is light and in, in In him there is no darkness at all. We claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness. We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us, but if we confess our sins, if we if we name the sin, if we if we say this this sin is what it is, and call it what God calls it, not make excuses, not rationalize, not compromise, but if we just confess our sins, He is faithful and just. And here's the good news. He'll forgive us our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. His word is not in us. My dear children, chapter 2, verse 1. I write this to you so that you will not sin, but... she glad it's, that word's there? <laughs> Like this, this verse is not, it's hopeless with, without that. I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, that's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. That's the theological word for it, and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. I'm going to start my message by giving you the one thing in a statement that I want you to remember. I'll explain what I, what I mean by the statement, but I first want you to remember it so that it triggers something in your mind and heart five days from now. Is that possible? 
I think it is. It's a real simple statement. If you think about it five days from now, if someone asks you, What's Pastor, what was Pastor Paul's message about? Here it is. The stakes are great, so don't make the mistake. Now, I'll explain what I mean by that, but if you can write that down or, you know, in your mind, begin to memorize it now. Let's say it together, all right? The stakes are great, so don't make the mistake. One more time. The stakes are great, so don't make the mistake. You're asking, what mistake are you talking about that I'm not to make? Because if you're like me, you make plenty of mistakes. Which one are you talking about? What would the Apostle John say? Well, we just read it in 1 John 2, 1. My dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. Well, that's asking a lot, isn't it? And he says that because of how great the stakes are when we commit habitual sins. That's what it means for a Christian to walk in darkness, to be in bondage in sin. The stakes are great, so don't make the mistake about sin. And here's what I mean by that, real simple. Don't minimize, don't maximize. Don't minimize Sin, meaning don't ignore it. Don't maximize, meaning don't obsess over it. Sin has to be dealt with in God's way. Last week, I, I used the illustration, just a kind of a little simple word picture of window wells. And uh, Dave Halbachen a construction guy, he, he's, in, he's in the business now, and he was selling window wells. And he texted me during the week and he said, hey, Pastor Paul, just wanted you to know, I'm thinking about your message, something along those lines. I'm trying to keep my window wells clean because of what can happen when we don't. I, I shared the story of this year a rabbit fell in, and this little rabbit had a friend, Connor, who helped the rabbit out of the window wells. But last year, a rabbit fell into a window well that we didn't know about. We couldn't see from the inside looking out. And you know the rest of the story. I wasn't going to get into the details, but for all the fifth grade boys here, any fifth grade boys here, when we put the rake down in the window well and got the, there were maggots dropping off the and that's how putrid and gross and obnoxious the smell was inside our house. Because you, if you remember, the outside vent to the bathroom downstairs was in the window well. We couldn't figure out where this disgusting smell came from in our basement. And that's a picture of sin that's not confessed. Habitual sin that we walk in. We could kind of clean the outside of the cup. We kind of make things look like everything's okay, but we're going to smell it. And the good news is we have an advocate. Don't ignore sin. Don't obsess over it. Deal with it. 
The stakes are great. Don't make the mistake about sin. Ken Mitchell, how many here, here have received a postcard from Ken Mitchell in the last, wow, look at this. If you want, a, if you want your very own postcard, let Ken know. He would, he would love to send you a postcard. Well, he sent me a postcard. Guess, guess what it is? Window wells. And it's, it's a beautiful one. He, he wrote some, some cool things on it and said, hey, thank you for your word. I'm trying to keep the window wells in my life cleaned out by confessing sin. And he, he, he shows this picture of this, this cleaned up window well that's got multi-tier and green things living in it, beautiful bushes. And it's like, that's what I want in my life. But we all sinned last week. Before too much time passed from last Sunday to this Sunday, something happened, didn't it? Someone pushed your button. And you reacted in anger. I did. Something distracted us. And before we knew it, our thoughts went to dark places. In a weak moment, we made a bad decision. A familiar temptation came along and we gave in. We slipped backward. We fell downward. We sinned. Not just once, probably, but several times since the last time we met. So what do we do when the stakes are so great? I had a number of people share with me. I love when this happens because it encourages my heart. He said, hey, thanks for clarifying, differentiating between relationship and fellowship. That our relationship with, with God, with Christ, is not in jeopardy when we sin because all of our sins are forgiven. Praise the Lord, past, present, future. It's when we sin, though, our, our fellowship with one another is directly impacted. And with the Lord, barriers are built between one another, between our Lord. And so that's why we want to we want to deal with sin as soon as we can in our lives. So what do we do? Number one, don't minimize sin. Look again in verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. The first mistaken idea is that sin is not a problem. I can deal with it on my own terms. I can manage it. Guess what? You can't manage your sin. The stakes are so great, don't make the mistake by ignoring sin in our lives. Let's quit making excuses for it. The anger is not manageable. It's sin. The unforgiveness is not excusable. It's 
sin, the gossip is not healing. It's poison and it's sin. The pride is not a way to look strong and be strong. It is sin. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. It's just serious stuff. And his word has no place in our lives. We know the reality. We got good news. You're going, wow, pastor, give me some good news. It's coming. It's coming. But we know that we're sinners by nature and by choice, right? In other words, as long as we live in this tent, we will struggle with the flesh, and the flesh has a disposition towards sin, and we commit sins. King David prays in Psalm 51, 3, for I know my transgression, and my sin is always before me. That's what David said. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. He confesses both his sinful actions and his sinful nature. Paul says in Romans 3, 22 and 23, there's no difference for all of what? Sinned. And all fall short of the glory of God. No one is exempt. We've all missed the mark. We stepped off the path. We've broken the law. Sometimes we do that in ignorance. Sometimes in weakness. Because we're hurt. We hurt others. Sometimes just in flat-out disobedience and rebellion. We know what we're saying is not right. We know what we're, we're giving ourselves to is not right. So what do we do with this knowledge that I know is true of me? Don't minimize, meaning don't ignore it. Don't maximize, meaning don't obsess. Don't ignore. We could try and not think about it and make, make excuses for it, but let's not do that. Today, let's just start over. Let's just call it what it is. Don't beat yourself up. That's the tendency that we have. When I say don't maximize, I mean this. Don't obsess over it. Don't try to punish yourself for your sin, to beat yourself up over it, to wallow in the guilt and the shame and the the regret. Don't replay the scene over and over again. The problem with obsessing is that it only serves to drive us deeper into our sin, further from God, further from others, further from our true identity in Christ. So here's the good news. Are you ready? 
Don't ignore it. Don't obsess over it. Rather, confess it. The good news is that I don't have to consistently, regularly make the mistake about sin. Because here's the great news. I have an advocate. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate. What does that mean? An advocate is one who pleads a case. We have the Son of God who represents us. In the highest court of heaven, guess who our attorney is? It's the Lord Jesus. And he stands before the Almighty, before the Father, on our behalf. He pleads my case. His wounds testify that he died for us. Therefore, God can forgive us when we confess our sins. That big phrase there, Dr. Alexander taught me what this phrase meant in theology class. 25, 26, 27 years ago, Dr. Alexander is here with us today. He's a part of our body. Propitiation. What does that mean? I was scared of that term when I first... I didn't know... Lord, what does this mean? It seems so scary. Dr. Alexander explained to us what it meant. It has to do with the meaning of Christ's death from God's perspective. Christ's death brought forgiveness. But before God could forgive a guilty sinner, his justice had to be satisfied. That's where propitiation or atoning sacrifice for our sins comes in. It carries the idea of satisfying God's holiness through the death of a substitute. It does not mean that God was so angry, listen, that Christ had to die to make him love sinners. He loved us before that. Christ's death met the demands of God's law, thus broke down the barrier between men and God, making it possible for God to take away sin. It's a big theological word that simply means that a payment had to be made. I can pay it myself and incur the holy wrath of God against sin for eternity in hell, or I can say, Jesus, I'm yours. I believe in you. I trust in you. I repent of my sins. Forgive me, Jesus. And the word says he took all of the wrath of God on his body for me. He's a great advocate. So we come to this table. The stakes are so great. Don't make the mistake about sin. Let's deal with our own sin. Understanding that we have an advocate today, folks, we can confess our sins. Let's deal with the root issues, not only the fruit, 
in all my years of ministry and study, and this is my, only my personal observation, and I conclude with this today. I thought a lot about this this last week. It's helped me. That most sin falls into four categories. It's what I call the big four. So often in our lives we deal with, with the fruit aspects of confession and that's good. We need to do that. But sometimes, most often, there's a deeper root. That's what I want to end, conclude with. What's the root? Some of the fruit of what's going on in my life as it relates to sin. Root sins. I call it the big four. I don't like it. But I think that most sin fall into these four categories. Pride. Anger. Lust. Unforgiveness. Big four. The majority of other sins are subcategories under these. It's just my own observation. For instance, hypocrisy is simply a fruit of pride. That's the root. We pretend we're somebody that we're not. It's pride. We judge others. It's pride. We're critical of others. It's pride. Another example. An unbridled tongue in rage is simply the fruit of anger. That's the root. Isn't it? All sexual sin Pornography, adultery, fornication is the fruit of lust. That's the root. The sin of bitterness and taking up an offense is the fruit of unforgiveness. So let's go after the roots. Because the stakes are so great. Let's not make the mistake. Don't ignore. Don't obsess. Confess. We have an advocate. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask the communion stewards if they'll come at this time. It's where this message leads. It leads to this table. We want 
you to participate in the Lord's table. We want you to eat of the bread and we want you to drink of the cup. We just want to deal with the root. You may be seated with the root sins in our lives. I, I stand before you as one who is a sinner. I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if, if that encourages you or not. I identify with the fact that I have pride and anger and lust and unforgiveness in my own heart at times. And I, like you, just need to confess it because I don't want my fellowship with the Lord to be hindered in any way. I don't want our fellowship together to be hindered in any way. So I want to go after the root in my own life. I believe you do too. Which one is it for you today? I don't want to overwhelm you. The Holy Spirit's doing a work in all of our lives, but of the big four. And can't get to that right now. Pride, anger, lust, unforgiveness. What is the Holy Spirit saying that you need to confess today? You have an advocate. He's pleading your case. He wants to purify your hearts. So Lord, thank you for your grace. It's amazing grace. No condemnation, Lord. We want to walk in the light as you are in the light. We want to have fellowship with one another and with you, God. Unhindered. So today we confess our sins. This might be the first time in your life. You might say, I I know I'm a sinner. How do I get rid of this sin? Just confess it right now to Jesus. Just cry out to him. He'll forgive you all your sins. You can take the bread can take the cup. You can participate in this communion with Jesus today. Holy Spirit, you're welcome just to continue to do a great work of healing in our hearts. Release us of shame, condemnation. May we leave here encouraged. Lord, we want to make things right. Whatever we need to do, God, I pray that by obedience we would do it, Lord. In relationships. 
and feelings towards others. Cleanse us, God, so we confess our sins. In your name we pray. Amen.